Thanks for joining us on the Design Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Snook, and we're on a mission to share the creator's voice. Today, we're excited to be joined by Dana Lightfoot, a lead designer with Shopify, formerly created a rector at Abstract and offline creator. Dana, thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so excited to get into this conversation. We've, we've spoken a lot about uh, careers in the past and, and people's journey, and, and this show is going to really focus in on this one. So we're going to be tapping together really career paths and particularly interesting for listeners, I think, is this journey that you've taken between leadership roles and IC roles over the last 10, 12 years. Um, and I think that's going to be a great point uh, for us to, to really get our teeth into today. But before we dive into the main topic, I always love to get a sense of your grassroots and background. So can you tell us what got you into, into the creative fields initially? Yeah, for sure. I think I grew up always as like one of those creative kids. I was always making crafts or drawing and stuff like that. But I really realized probably in my early teens that graphic design is something that I wanted to pursue. Um, at first, I thought I wanted to be a photographer, and I actually don't necessarily have those skills so much, but um, graphic design is something that really came naturally. Um, growing up, I was really big into sports, mostly like action sports and was skiing and snowboarding from a very, very young age. And then kind of the rise of those magazines and videos in my teens is really what drove me into the interest of graphic design. And back in the day, you'd get like really thick catalogs delivered to your door that were like really well designed that had all the products for the whole season. And those are the things that I always looked at and was like, so this is somebody's job. Like, how do I do that? It's interesting. Like, obviously the, the industry has changed a lot and a lot of that is digital now, but at the time it was all print. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally, I can totally see that. Me and my, uh, my brother who edits the podcast, we were really into skate culture when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And so we had like, uh, I mean, I probably was quite obsessive, probably not the right word, but loved uh, like the whole sort of 70s kickoff of uh, the Dogtown Z-Boys documentary. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. probably come across that in the past. And I remember one summer we would watch all the time and we would go out skating all the time. But the reason I bring this up is because the graphics, I think, that were being created around surfboards and skateboards and then into snowboards, like that whole culture was really exciting. And I, I think that was one of the sort of motivations to kind of explore that as well. I was always kind of drawn to doing sketches and arts and arts as a kid. But um, yeah, I think there was so much, there's so much kind of really exciting stuff there. I mean, you mix that with extreme sports, it it just got a sense of coolness around it, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. And I think back then too, there was less, I don't want to say fear is probably the not the right word for it, but people would do more drawings, take more photos, t- do more collages, scan mm. more things. Like gra- we didn't have the graphic design tools that we have now. Not everybody was like trying to make collages in Figma or like trying to do as much <laughs> as you could with a computer. There was most of the work was actually done by hand and then taken into a computer to like make work for whatever situation. Um, and I kind of feel like there's like a little bit of a turn where we're starting to see more of that come into like graphic design right now. Yeah, it's a bit like we've got. Blindside is the wrong word, but we've got so focused on the on the technology, that mm-hmm. sort of exploration of making with your hands and and taking time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just like this always on culture that we've got at the moment, right? And just generally in society, and it's constantly yeah. I've got to get work out there, I've got to showcase what I'm doing more, 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 more. Yeah. And actually, it t- kind of takes the fun out of it, and I think sometimes the care as well with some with some work. Mm-hmm. And if you don't check social media for like a few days, you feel like you're behind. <laughs> 
It's kind of the the worst part of the culture right now. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So you were at, at high school. You did. You got into sort of photography, graphic design. What happened from 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 that sort of point? Did you go on to study that at, at college? Yeah. So I actually took a year off. Um, I was working at like snowboard shops and skate shops at the time. Took a year off. I my parents were not going to pay for university or college or anything like that. So I knew if I wanted to do it, I really like needed to commit because I was going to be the one paying for it. Mm. I was trying to save up some money and figure out what to do. At that point, there was um, I grew up in British Columbia. There were some universities nearby, but you could do a Bachelor of Fine Arts that maybe had one or two classes in graphic design, maybe one class in photography. There wasn't anything specific to what I actually wanted to do, which is really hard. Um, I ended up taking an 18-month program at like a kind of tech career college. Mm. Um, and 18 months straight, no summer holidays or anything. Eight classes a semester, even though they were condensed semesters. So you're there all the time. Um, and we covered mostly like how to use the tools, but you also had to do, I think it was called digital design and media, something like that. But you actually had to do a lot of programming as well. So we were doing like PHP and JavaScript on the same day that you're doing like Illustrator and 3D renderings. So by the end of that 18 months, my brain was ready to explode. But um, I feel like it gave me all the like hard skills to to actually like do the work. And then it was really up to me to come up with like the creativity, like how to bring that to life. They weren't really so much teaching you the process of like how to create new design work it was very much just like these are the tools and how to use them like up to you to figure out whatever gotcha. that is for you gotcha gotcha my i think i was i think we were studying probably around the same time i think looking mm -hmm. at your linkedin i think we we're about studying about the same time it's a bit opposite for me because we had uh lecturers that were i did media and, and graphics and stuff at college and then went on to initial plans to do a master's in like in graphic design but i ended up just doing a couple of years mm -hmm. um before i start working for some startups um but it was kind of the opposite we had like an old school lecturer and they he grew up with set handset and typography so it was very much like less skills orientated which would have actually been super useful to, <laughs> to thinking through typography and you had to sit there and manually set stuff or, or just hand render typefaces that took up a, a larger portion than i think we anticipated when we started a course and i was really like how do i get into building websites and apps that was kind of my my mm -hmm. thing about six months into it um so interesting i guess though between and you studied in in canada right yeah 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 i think for me it actually worked really well because i i still struggle with the like learning on my own when it comes to tools mm. like if you i'm actually working on this course for procreate because i struggle with it i'm like i know this tool is super powerful and is meant to be super easy but i like struggle understanding how to get the most out of it mm. But if there was like an in-person like week course to do it, I'd totally sign up for that because I learned so much better in that environment than trying to like watch videos online and teach myself versus like the theory side of design and learning mm. composition and color theory and that sort of thing. I could just read books all day and watch yeah. videos and that sort of stuff I can absorb that way. But tools, I get totally lost. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. I seem to... I don't know if I'm being working smarter or just it's just task oriented. I find that when I've got a vision for what I want to create, then I'm going to learn the particular function on like After Effects mm -hmm. or 
Figma to do that. So I could put a design system out on Figma, I had to learn how to do the design system. Now, like shortcuts are like my life. And After Effects is like, yes. oh, I just want to learn how to do this one animation. I'm sure for me, I felt like like a memory bank. How much technically can I store at one time whilst doing all these other things? Yeah. Yeah, and then you switch tools and all the hotkeys are completely different. <laughs> You're just uh, like, what the hell's going on? I know. Even amongst Adobe, I was like using Premiere this yeah. the other day to do some promos. And I was like, oh, it's just like VC. Yeah. Like these shortcuts are so much better than Alt-Command X12. <laughs> like, yeah. Why yeah, isn't that crazy. not universal? Yeah. Or when they just make like small program updates and all of a sudden they take one of the keys out of the command and you're just like wait this was it was like this for like eight years and now you're just going to go change it not even tell me what the new one is it's terrible <laughs> it is it is um so yeah. anyway we're so totally segwaying which is i love by the way um but back on track where were we so we were you studied studied at uh at school went into this 18 months and 10 mm-hmm. course and then mm-hmm. from there was it a straight move directly into a, into a role? What was that entry into into yeah. the industry? Yeah, I actually had a really unique situation. Well, maybe it's not the most unique, but I think it is kind of unique. I um, quit working at the skate shops to go to school. I tried to do both, and it was just too much. Um, but could only survive for a few months doing school and not working. So yeah, gotcha. I looked for a job that I could work more evenings, and I actually ended up getting a job doing customer support or player support for club penguin, which is a Disney online game or was, I think they, they shut their doors a couple of years ago. So it was actually in the same complex as my school. So I'd go to school for eight hours, walk across the road, have lunch and then, or dinner and then work for another eight hours. Um, and then try and like squish in my homework at some point. I was, (laughs) I, you're you're young. I feel like I could just run at all cylinders at that point. Um, so I was doing that until I graduated. And then as soon as I graduated and had more flexibility, I started hitting up all the different departments there to be like, how can I help you? Like, mm. I just finished school for this. Do you want me to design a slide deck? Do you want me to like work on print production for something? Like literally give me the boringest work that you don't want to do. You don't even have to pay me. I'll do it on top of my like other work. Just like, help me um and slowly like i got more and more work there which was really helpful to have that as like an entry point i think the hardest part going from school or deciding you're going to work in the industry is like those first few projects and connections and having somebody to trust you yeah yeah totally how do you kind of get in there and i've known people i was at at uni with which took well i think like less than 20 percent actually stayed in design which is the first mm-hmm. thing, which is I thought was quite shocking. And then yeah. I guess like half of those those folks, like, and actually other classes that were on the same campus as us, like, I don't know, were working for free for one, two years to try and get their foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I kind of had knew about this. So I kind of was doing that same thing of reaching out to people, uh, the startups mm-hmm. in London at the time, and uh, managed to get my foot in the door whilst I was still, still, still at university. So... It took the stress out of it a little bit, and the lecturer's like, "Yeah, just bunk off and go and do that. You already got, you're already in." So it is really hard to get that first, that first yeah. gig. I think. I think they also had a, quite a few friends that were doing their own like entrepreneurial things, whether it was like a jewelry line or having a band or starting a little coffee shop or something, and being like, "I will just do your graphic design for you," or for like as cheap as humanly possible to actually be like, "I learned some things." 
And that, those projects were surprisingly so hard because I had no idea what I was doing. You learn all these skills in school, but like when you actually have to apply them, it's, yeah. it's really, really challenging. Oh, a totally different world. Totally different world. I, I don't know if your, your course includes or not, but mine didn't include anything about the business side of, of designs. Yeah. Like how do, you, how do you manage client relationships? How do you manage feedback cycles? How do you think about like yeah. pricing this work? Just didn't exist as part of the curriculum. I think they tried to, and we got some some textbooks about it, especially around pricing. Mm. But that changes so fast, yeah. and it's so different depending on every area that you live in. It's just like it becomes really irrelevant really quickly. Um, so it was interesting to like see how they would structure some things, but in the end, I didn't find like that was very useful until the day to day life. And I still think so. Like. I have open conversations with a lot of my friends where they're like, Hey, this project sounds really interesting. It just came across my desk. Like, what would you charge? Like, what mm -hmm. is the going rate right now? If I say something like this, will people think I'm crazy or will they just instantly say yes, because it's the cheapest quote that they got. And like, how do we, how do we, as people, like, for instance, I work in-house at a company. How do I make sure that we are being fair to our freelancers, but also yeah. like not overspending in the, yeah. in the same way. It's a really complicated conversation and I don't think people are open enough about it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Money is one of those things that is so almost personal that it's kind of hard mm -hmm. to be to do that and have a conversation that seems seems fair. So on your sort of the personal journey, because I know we're gonna we're gonna get into a little bit of your current role and, and what, what you're up to mm -hmm. with Shopify as well, which I think is gonna be really exciting. Big fan of the brand and what you guys are working on. Before we get there, we're kind of going to unpack a little bit of your journey. So you've worked with some great brands like uh, Disney uh, and obviously CD at Abstract uh, for like three years. I think you did a bunch of rebrand stuff mm -hmm. there, which is awesome. Look for that on your website. But the really interesting thing we were kind of speaking about offline was this idea of bouncing between IC roles and uh, leadership roles. And I just wondered if we want to, we don't have to go through it in terms of chronological order, but why that sort of flicker between the the hands-on stuff and then leading teams. Can you tell us a little bit around, yeah. around that experience? Yeah. I, at first, I don't think it was intentional. And then more, as I got more into my career, it was more and more intentional. Most of, I actually think I've never, I've never been hired anywhere to instantly be somebody's manager. I've always been hired as an IC and I've always grown into leading a team. Mm. Um, and I think part of that is just like how I work as a designer and natural tendencies as a person. I don't like to like toot my own horn very much. Even doing stuff like this is like pretty uncomfortable for me. But I do think that I have a like a tendency to be a natural board leader. I tend to be the one to like step up and figure out a project or figure out how we should grow a team. I tend to be the one to like want to think about the bigger picture. Um, so often in those roles, I think my managers or other leaders at the company always kind of saw that. And so as the team grew, it was always kind of like, Hey, do you mind if you start to like manage these people too? Um, and I always said yes, uh, which was great. I think there were some roles where the player coach balance was very uneven and um, maybe I wasn't being taken care of from my leadership in that you're expected to almost do two full-time jobs. Mm. But I think if the balance is right, it can be like a really powerful combination. Um, Shopify, we have a rule that 
as a quote unquote like IC, you can can't have more than three reports, um, which I think is really important because I think you can manage three people and still do individual contributor work. But once you hit past that, you're not going to be focused on your own projects or you can't really dedicate time to that. Or you can't dedicate time to your people either. Like either one or the other is going to suffer. Um, so I think that's that's kind of an interesting way that we handle it at Shopify. Mm. Yeah, that is a really interesting way to manage it. I know that we've, I kind of st- struggle with this and try and create roles where it's been a case of doing some IC work. And it, in waves has worked very effectively, but my team's gone from like three people, six people, 10 people, 12 people, 15 people. And it's like at a certain point, it becomes unmanageable. So I'm kind of more on that stage of now, much more on strategy and just working on sort of some initial seed concepts of the team and, and more, much more coach than I am player. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a different, you've got to try and find that balance. Um, and it's definitely possible, but it all depends on the company's culture and how much quote unquote management you need to do as opposed to working with your team. And I prefer to work with my team than manage them. And I think that's uh, a better way for creatives, but depends on the business model as well. <laughs> Yeah, the business model and the people. Like I like to have conversations with all of the people that are joining my team to like try and it's not a one conversation, it's a many conversation thing. Like what what do they actually need from a manager? Mm. Like everybody needs something different. Do I need to like my manager to tell me I'm doing a good job all the time? I totally don't need that. Do I need my manager to like have my back in conversations that I'm maybe not in the room for? Yes. Do some people need to like have somebody to check in on them every few days, especially in a remote world? Other people don't need that. Mm. So it's, it's all, all kind of different. Like for me, um, big internal praise in the company makes me feel really awkward. And like, I'd probably rather not have that, but other people it's like really, really important to them. Um, so you kind of got to figure that out for each individual person. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Everyone's, unique right and it's that how do you balance that i think the the key thing you see what to me feels more natural maybe it is as a designer to be more i suppose emotionally intelligent or more sensitive to individual needs i find it's really interesting because being part of several big corporations is they're trying to embed that into managers and i guess who probably sort of started in the the industry sort of 10 20 years ago um or prior to meet you on in the industry even sort of going back 30 years i guess uh it's a very different mindset where it was more like control from one and manage and do like a machine almost mentality and they're all kind of re-educating people it feels not just within design obviously but across corporations to to think more adaptive yeah yeah it's it's really interesting to see how management has changed in design over Mm. even just the last 10 years and like the expectations of that i think it's also very different at every different company within every different industry i think tech we've been really starting to try and like get that like really human element to it. But I think there's still other industries with design that that is a little, uh, a step back. Um, and you're, there's much less like hands-on mentorship when it comes to management. Um, but I think tech, we're a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Feel we're a bit just more. Trying, yeah. Tech's always trying to evolve everything. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, and so you've always had this sort of natural, natural, lean towards stepping up just organically as part of as part of the team Mm -hmm. um was the same thing true at abstract as well because you went obviously were the creative director there for three years did you go in to be the cd or did you 
progress your career yeah, into that? I actually started there as a brand designer or senior brand designer. We we had title like we had senior designer titles, but the whole brand design team was senior designers. Gotcha. And that's very similar thing came up where it was like, okay, our team is growing. We need somebody to step up and take this role. Like who is the right person to do that? And it was me. Yeah. And even before design, like I, I worked at skate shops, like I said, I worked at a, at like an ice cream shop. I grew up sort of in a tourist town. I was a manager at both of those places too. And I'd started off as just being an ice cream scooper or the person working at the skate shop and led into management there too. It, at a very young age, I think the first time I managed people, I was maybe 16. Um, wow. yeah. So it's obviously I was managing like other like 16 or 15 year olds or something like that. But I almost like, I didn't even want to tell people my age. Cause I was like, Oh, are they going to want to listen to me? If they know that like, I'm only like one grade higher than them in high school. It's kind of a weird situation to be in. Yeah. Now I get that. I get that. I think I was like, how old is I? Like 23, 24 when I first managed, was managing some freelancers uh, who were 10, at least 10 years old. And I was, and I totally sort of like the whole age thing was totally a, like a, I'd, I'd said nothing because I'd been somewhere else and they were like, oh, you're super young. Like can't, like the age was like a completely irrelevant point of view. And I was like, oh, Zuckerberg was a multi-billionaire by the time he was like 25. Like, yeah. <laughs> like not necessarily representative of what you can do because you're 20 or 50 yeah. and be 50 and terrible leading a team of people or 20 and amazing. Totally. So, yeah. yeah, I think I was also just like a responsible child. Mm. in in like that regard too like my sister love her to death not the, not the responsible one five <laughs> years older than me i was always like that responsible kid and it's a weird it's a weird thing but it's definitely something that i've seen like follow through my career as well yeah yeah so each time it's kind of like you've gone into to create and then by, by natural circumstances, yeah. you become the natural leader in the team and then have gone up to lead those those organizations. Yeah. And leaving abstract coming to Shopify, that was something that I was like intentional about not doing, which is, mm. I feel like I've had a lot of personal growth over this last year. Probably most of the world has. You're like a lot of weird things have happened. Um, but joining Shopify and while I was looking for a new job, I really didn't want to manage. I really was like, I need to go back to being a craft specific IC mm. and like really kind of grind it out for a little bit. Like I felt like abstract totally burnt me out in that I was like managing front end developers and designers and was like the responsible person at the end. I was responsible for like all of marketing wow. things. And I was just like, this is, I felt like it was just too much mm. and I was taking away from my personal life and I was just like overwhelmed all the time. Um, so with Shopify, I was like, I just want to go in and be an IC and do like really great work, put as much work on me as you want, but I actually really want to be here and do great work. And that was kind of the case for like the first six, seven, eight months. And then around like nine months, I was like, wait, I think I actually do love like the leadership side of things. Like, and it is something that mm. I've missed, but I was very intentional about not doing that and like really took the time to explore my feelings at, and being after being in this industry for quite a while now, I felt like 
I've been like in control of the situation and I'm still an IC. I have two reports. Um, I'm still really involved in design. And I think that that works for me really well right now. I worry that we don't make enough career paths for designers to still be able to do design while they're managing people and that you have to give up one or the other. And then you have managers too that have been managing for however many years that don't know how to use the tools that are so removed from the day-to-day design work that they don't even know how to like hop in and help one of their reports. Or if there is like a, one of those situations where like everybody's offline and this thing needs to be fixed like right away for whatever reason, they're so disconnected. And that's like somewhere that I never want to be. So I think I have a really good opportunity right now to, to be in the work, but also help lead people and help, help my manager um, think about what's next. Like, how do we grow our team? Our team, when I joined, I think we had four people. Obviously, Shopify is very large, but our team was very small. And now we just hired four more designers, two more content people, two front-end developers. Like, the team is growing really fast. So you have to think about all of those structural things as well. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting place to be in to to reflect about what's important in in, in not just your career, but like in life and and step back. It's certainly... Mm -hmm something that i've reflected on on and off over the years between like like managing people so i don't like the term management but like leading people mm-hmm. let's say mm-hmm. uh is a labor-intensive role for sure like i don't think people below necessarily mm-hmm. get it and people above obviously on a pedestal so they kind of get it but like a, a different level um but it takes it takes a takes a certain type of person to be able to to carry the weight for other people to protect people to also take some yes. crap themselves from from their from their reports when they they're stressing out, um, and it can t- certainly take its toll. Yeah, and leading leaders from like the higher level folks who yeah. are mostly leading other managers is very different than leading ICs, and ICs who've never been managers also don't know the work that goes into it. But then you also have some ICs that almost don't need anything at all that yeah. are just so easy. And then there's other ones that are very labor intensive and they might not, you might, they might not even know it. <laughs> like, yeah. and it might be labor intensive for different managers too. Like some managers might not have the same amount of work that needs to go into it based on like personality type or working style or whatever else. Um, Shopify also is globally remote. So there's like this whole other thing to think about. We have mm. people on my team from, Europe all the way to Pacific Standard Time in North America. And then there's other folks in Singapore and Australia and all of that, less so on my team. But you have this huge swath of hours in a day. Mm. And like, how do you um, make sure that there's like the appropriate level of overlap and the appropriate skill set to be leading these people? Yeah, it's a lot to, to try and coordinate. I think uh, I think it's kind of interesting when you saw going back to the First of all, before I could sort of segue myself, I think it's very brave as well to when you're in a, a CD role in a company like Abstract to step away from that and recognize where you are. I think that's a hard thing, I think, for a lot of people to even consider when you've climbed up to that that position, particularly such a cool brand. Um, and I think it's really interesting and really important that you've, you've stepped back and and curated your your career path appropriately to what you're looking mm-hmm. for. And then second to that is like, how do you bring this idea of still balancing like leaders who create and leaders who list lead and, and creators who just focus on, on the work. And it's really interesting. I think 
feel that the more exciting what you typically see people I speak with have found that they've gone up the corporate ladder or in, as a consultancy, like a frog or somewhere like that, or working in-house mm -hmm. and have set up their own boutique agency. So they have that creative freedom in which they can lead their teams or lead, build a team, but also still produce work. And it mm -hmm. seems to be the, the people who produce, I'm, I, I'm sure I'm very broad brushstrokes and people can disagree, <laughs> but I think the most exciting work I see is coming from people who have taken that recognition to say, actually, like leading is one thing, sure, and I can be good at that. But mm -hmm. the, the work, the design itself is what I'm most passionate about. And I think the best people in industry are really fueled by the work, not just the idea of, oh, I can manage 40 or 50 people. Yeah. Yeah. And you just have to like check your ego a little bit. Abstract at one point was maybe 250 people by the time I was leaving were sub 100. So being a creative director there versus being at a company of, I think Shopify is probably 13,000, maybe mm. 15,000 people now, like a lot of people. Um, it's just different. Like you can't, you can't compare them to each other. And while I gave up some responsibility at coming to this role, mm. I gained more responsibility in other things. It's just a, a different, like projects that I work on now impact millions of people versus projects that I worked on at abstract affected a little swath of the design community, which I was very attached to, but like now I have all these other things that I need to think about and more challenges to, to kind of overcome. So while the job titles might say one thing, what is yeah. the, what does the work say? And what are those like design challenges that you're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. Yeah. Really good place. Yeah. Job titles are, my job title is not necessarily what what you do or who you are, right? Well, I'm a staff designer, and I know that's a weird thing on the marketing and brand side. I, we also use the term marketing designer at Shopify that I don't I don't love, but um, it's like this really complicated thing to try and describe, mm. and that's kind of why I get why these bigger companies start to just have like designer one, designer two, designer three, because like how do you add all these titles? to the outside world, what does staff designer mean? Unless, unless you're really in tune with like the engineering side of the industry and where product design is heading, staff marketing designer is confusing. Mm. Um, that's why if you see on LinkedIn, when I started looking for new people to join my team, I put like staff and then brackets lead. Because I was like, I don't, are people going to know what this, what this even is? If this person's reaching out to the, out to them, like what, is, what does that title mean? Yeah, yeah, I get that, and I think it make, makes sense. I guess if we were looking at, at my at my organization, I would say you you would say I'd say oh Dana's role sounds like a lead role like that. It's kind yeah. of how it sits. But yeah, there's there's this whole different thing of like product in in technology design, product design, marketing at the moment where there are so many different roles. Like you know, on an IC track, you hear principals and like okay, that's the top, right? But no, now you get senior principal designers. Um. And like yeah. vice principal designers, it's like a, a crazy world. Distinguished is maybe like a new one. I think oh. I saw floating around. Maybe that was a joke. I don't know. I can't. I hope it I wasn't because that's just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Distinguished. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I've seen advanced in front of people's titles as well. Like advanced designers. Yeah. Don't know what that sure. means. I'm like, what does that mean? I it's know. like when you see the those charts on people's resumes that are like, I'm a nine out of ten at Figma. And you're like, what, is that, what does that mean? 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think I'm like a two out of 10 at Figma and I do, I work in it nonstop, but there's a million billion (laughs) things to understand. I think unless you probably work at Figma and are like a design advocate at Figma or something, you're probably not at that 10 out of 10 Figma score. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They really hard. It's the way infographics become incredibly complicated for no good reason. <laughs> CVs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Text is better for sure. Um, so you know, now we're on. We're on to onto your current role. What does what does the current design? What does the current day look like for a staff marketing designer? What does what does what does it look like when you get up? What what are the activities that you're focusing on now? Yeah. Um... I think like any job, it changes all the time. So I work on, we call it the marketing UX team for money, which is our suite of financial products. So we have, um, how do I say this publicly correct? We basically have like a spending account, like a bank account. We have uh, a loans program that we call capital. We have payments, which is how people pay for things how merchants accept payments, which is a quite a global product. Um, and then we have uh, kind of the like more blockchain cryptocurrency side of things. So right now we have an NFT beta or early access um, and we're starting to expand on that too. Yeah, so really I think there's more. There's like shop pay, shop pay installments, lots of things like that. But that's kind of like what my team is focused on. Um, and we... We do all of like the branding and marketing for those product lines. Um, we kind of are under this other umbrella called merchant services that contain a bunch of other products that are very specific to merchants, not so mm. much consumer facing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going back to your question, day-to-day life. Um, so our team grew. We just hired four new designers. I think they all started two or three weeks ago. Um so we went from having only two designers to having six, hopefully seven soon. Um, big change there. So it went from being literally the person who has to do end-to-end things along with my coworker, Tara, end-to-end work for every project, whether that's like the brainstorming, kickoff, figuring out stakeholders and strategy, working with our content designers, designing the performance ads, the social media, the landing page, the video campaign, the, we just had an an ad in the New York times yesterday and a couple other newspapers. So like the print production work, um, we had to do all of that. Hopefully now we'll have this other crew of people that they can help support that. And I'm hoping that they are more so leading those projects and that, Taryn and I can both be more of a support arm to them um, in getting that work done. And we work really closely with content designers who are very much like content strategists mixed with writers. Um, And then obviously front-end developers to help bring everything to life. Um, Day-to-day life, we have, uh, like I was saying, a team across the world. So Mondays actually tend to be like a little bit slower because we don't want people to like have a bunch of meetings at like eight o'clock on a Monday. Cause that's kind of not the best way to start the week. Tuesdays are when we do our, um, our specific team sort of meetings. Wednesdays, we don't have meetings. Thursdays is more when we get like more of the designers in the company together for sort of reviews or community building type things. Um, day-to-day life, my mornings now, 
are slammed with meetings because that's just like when everybody else is online. I would mm. say most of the company is in Eastern Standard Time, which is two hours ahead of me. Um, so by the time I get online, there's there's a lot happening. And then by the time my day is ending, around like one or two o'clock, just silence. So that's kind of, I've had to switch my brain a bit before I found like most of my creative work would always happen first thing in the morning. And now I've had to try and like reshape how I do things and do much more of my creative work in the afternoons. So a lot, a lot of change going on then. Uh, yeah. Huge yes. amounts going on. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's great to work with people around the world. And I love getting all the, these different perspectives from even just my team members and like seeing how they see things differently um, and having people in all these different countries and how they absorb content or even want to experience marketing is really interesting. Um, but there's a lot of challenges with that. And I like that on um, my team specifically, we, we talk about that and are open to changing things and, and realize that not everything's going to be perfect. Like, Sometimes I'm going to have a 7 a.m. meeting that I, is annoying, but like, as long as that's not happening all the time, mm. that's okay. Um, and making sure that we're, we're just uh, trying to make that like work-life balance work for everybody on the team, no matter where they're living. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a different And these one. are the things that I think about as an IC that isn't an IC. <laughs> uh, IC it's kind of right? strange. Yeah. It's yeah. strange. Like, I'm always trying to like improve the process, even though maybe that isn't my job. Yeah. Well, I guess there's a difference between like on paper leading or managing a team and then just being a natural leader. You don't necessarily have to be mm -hmm. in that specific role to do, do that job. And I think it sounds like, again, like you're sort of exhibiting the things that <laughs> have shown that's why you stepped up previously into those roles. Cause it seems to be a natural mm -hmm. inclination to focus on that stuff, which is really important. Mm -hmm. And I think what was really interesting is kind of talking through this is, you know, I work like a hundred, I don't know, like a hundred thousand, maybe 120,000 person company. It's a big old beast. Um, mm -hmm. But the team that we work with is relatively small. We focus primarily between the UK, Germany uh, and Portugal. Uh, so we've kind of only got like an hour delta between like yeah. all, all those countries. So it's a completely different focus, but you're balancing working with colleagues in mm -hmm. lots of different time zones. Obviously over in the States, it's mm -hmm. huge huge old place and then it internationally adds different layers it sounds like yeah. you were describing as well like having flexibility but relatively um rigid structure in terms of what a monday is what a tuesday is is that something mm -hmm. that that you've implemented with the team locally or is that something more global within the designing and creative community at shopify that is about bringing people together in this fully remote different time zone world yeah i think most well, the no meeting Wednesday thing is a global thing. And then the Thursday thing is very much our merchant services group. The The company actually has like, obviously a big swath of people. So mm. there's a growth team, there's a core team, there's kind of like a brand foundations team. Um, so all of them have different rituals. That is kind of like the one thing where we bring almost half of the marketing designers in the company together to kind of collaborate on that Thursday. Um, I think we'll do more. Mm. The thing like Shopify decided to go globally remote early into the pandemic. Um, so I think we're, we're figuring this thing out. It's, uh, it's something I don't think many people have ever done before. And we're like learning as we go, learning what people need. 
um, how do you make these meetings actually useful for people versus just like this thing that they have to go to on this Thursday, um, which is tough. And then we um, kind of switching topics a little bit. We do these things that we call bursts that are uh, like in-person meetups. Um, there's no strict cadence to them and no strict, there's kind of strict guidelines to like cities that you should go to and stuff like that. But you can invite people from different teams. It could be your specific team. It could be um, you meeting with a team that you maybe are working with for a certain project. But we bring everybody together in all these different places around the world to like spend some time together. So for instance, in a couple of weeks, all of the designers, product designers, researchers, marketing designers that work on our financial products are all going to be in Lisbon together. Um, and most of those people will be meeting for the first time and making sure that like, while we are doing some work there, that that is really about like community building because you can't, you don't get that as much in a remote work world. Like you can have as many brainstorms or team bonding things on zoom or Google hangouts or whatever, but it's just not the same. Um, which is like this whole other thing that you have to think about. How are people, how do people feel about global travel? What, where citizenships do people have? What countries are they allowed to visit? Are they on any work visas or anything like that? It's like all of these uh, interesting design problems that I think we've been working on that are not uh, maybe something that you just produce and put out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really interesting period, isn't it for us as a, I think as a, well, global community, but particularly in the technology and design scene, Airbnb just published there. We're going remote mm -hmm. and here's how we're going to do it. Which I think was very well written. Um, yeah. It's something that we've been experimenting with throughout the pandemic as well at Vodafone. And I think it's um, something we're just continue to, we're just going to have to iterate. I mean, we're kind of throwing away at least a century's worth of how we, how we work. Realistically, we're throwing away millennia of working in physically with people to get something built. Um, mm -hmm. So it's been a massive pivotal point i think for us culturally and in terms of workflow mm -hmm. um yeah i don't miss open offices though at all like i i hated working in open offices so so much i was so distracted all the time and i feel like as a designer too you're kind of like have cool stuff on your computer so people are always kind of like peering over like what's going on over there um so being at home all the time i actually do quite like it but that that in-person connection is is tough and I do miss that quite a bit. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think we've we've been serving our our design team and actually the the brand team as well throughout the last I guess like 18 months, I think we've been doing one. Every sort of mm -hmm. three to six months. Strangely, actually, every time we thought it was going to be or the leader senior leadership team felt that we were going to be less creative and reductive. Nearly everybody's reported feeling more creative and reductive at home every time we've done the survey. But it's this whole thing of what's the next phase. And I think the next phase is trying something like mm -hmm. these bursts is how mm -hmm. we get people together, maybe just a couple of times a month to really focus on community and culture. Cause that is something that we're all saying we're kind of missing that now yeah. and a little bit of change is seen yeah. as well. Yeah. It's, I, I think I almost miss just even like the happy hours more than the, the actually being in like a meeting room together. Not, yeah. it doesn't even have to be happy hour or like a lunch or whatever, just like, talking about not work things and kind of like building that trust with each other. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think uh, as a new parent myself, but speaking with people who've got kids of different ages who have worked for the last couple of years, 
I think people like that sort of detox to say, hey, we can go and have, you know, go go to work and we can have lunch together and just have like proper adult time and do that in a different way. Um, so I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic. We're, we're starting to think like family dynamics, super important, being able to pick up your kids, uh, spend time with your spouse, et cetera, is much better. Downside is sort of diversity of people's social life, I think is particularly here in the UK has felt very dampened because we've been on such strict regulations for the last couple of years. I was kind of going mad for it. Um, but anyway, we segue on this for, for a long time. Um, yeah. I'm really interested to, before we kind of like close out some of these sort of key questions I always love to, to ask our guests. The creative process for what you're doing with brand and marketing, mm-hmm. I'd, always, I'd love to unpack that a little bit and how that works when you're working across such a, a spectrum of different media, like from producing film to uh, mm-hmm. advertisement in the in uh, the papers mm-hmm. to online, does it vary dramatically for you? Is there a formula that you and the team are, are, are following, or is it is it always sort of adaptive, depending on the on the case or the or the project? Yeah, I think it's pretty adaptive. Uh, the scope, similar to product design or something else, the scope of projects can be very different from small edits to like very, very large campaigns. The biggest thing like product design, figuring out who the audience is, why we're doing this thing, what are the goals, how are we tracking it? How you track things can be very different on the brand and marketing side of things. Sometimes you know you're gonna lose money. Like we know that this campaign that we're doing is gonna spend a lot of money and we're not gonna directly be able to attribute it back to anything else, but that's part of brand. Like there is a reason why companies do branding so that you're top of mind. Um, so yeah, for, for us, usually we do sort of a kickoff to cover much of those business objectives. And then usually the, the marketing designer and content designer pair really closely on side, sort of that like creative execution. Um, I'm really big on creative, creating kind of more, um, creative concepts that are really tying like messaging and visuals together versus having a content designer go off and a designer go off and kind of like work in their own silos, like really having that go-to-market message be created as like one unison piece uh, or one unified piece. Um, But from there, it really just comes down to -to go-to-market timelines. So like what are the first things that need to come out? Those are the things that you have to tackle first or even just a lot of that comes down to experience, knowing if we're going to have a video, okay, you're starting the video. You might not even know what everything else is going to look like, but you have to start the storyboards right away to like, make sure whoever your video partner is can, can execute that on time. Like uh, the Shopify protect launch that we just did a couple of weeks ago. Um, we have this kind of like orbing force field around all these uh, merchant items um, that, Basically, I just had to like take the risk, go ahead, try and get this done, even though we hadn't quite finalized all of our messaging in hopes that it would all tie together because our timelines were so tight to get that live. Um, and and timelines move too. Like, you know, you work at a really big company. Um, I think this is something that's much different at Shopify than maybe some other companies that I've worked for is that you have so many teams building so many different things. Um, that there's stuff coming out of the company almost every day. Like there's always some some sort of news on the horizon. So like if 
if your project gets bumped a little bit or you have to launch like a week early, like you have to be prepared for that and knowing um, where you need to cut back. And that's maybe something that's a little different on the marketing side than product. Like typically product, you're not going to be like, oh, we're actually only going to launch half the product we decided five days before and only half of the functionality is going to go live. Whereas marketing, I feel like we deal with those challenges all the time where it's like game time decision. What are we cutting out of this page or this animation or this experience to be able to make sure that we can get it out in time? Um, yeah. so it definitely feel like you're flying from the seat of your pants a little bit sometimes, <laughs> but, but it's fun. Like it, every project is so, so different and comes with like these unique constraints, which is, is really fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, I, that's good. Thank you so much for walking me through that. I was, it's so different between different companies and cultures as well and different designers and how, how one's processes kind of adapt around the realities. I'd love to say in products as well that we don't cut stuff five days from before launch, but yeah. I've definitely, no. definitely done that before. <laughs> so um, just rip out all the code. And that seems to be what, yes. uh, what happens. <laughs> Get rid of those bugs. Um, cool. All right. Well, I know that we are, we're sort of, we're, quickly running out of time so i'm gonna get into like my, these closing few questions which i always love to ask every guest um are they big questions maybe um but i think they're really exciting ones for us to kind of try and tackle so the first one is you know speaking about design marketing brands you've got an amazing career built some really beautiful stuff for, for many many good companies knowing what you know now can you describe what great design looks like for you what does it mean? What is it? What is great design? Yeah. Um, it's interesting hearing the answers that you get to this question. And mm. for me, it's a, it's a really tough question to answer. And I, I think great design can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, it really comes down to like, what was the purpose of it? Um, and did it, execute on that purpose we often hear terms like quality bar get thrown out and i think it's really tough to to talk about things like that because quality bars are really hard to define and they're very different in all these different situations so really for me it's what is what is the problem that we're trying to solve and did we solve it and did we solve it in a way that we could, given the constraints that we have? It's really easy to look at what another team is doing or another company is doing and tear it apart. But nobody really knows what actually is going on. And there's probably a lot of like superhero magic happening behind the scenes to even get what you see out into the world. Um, even if you think that quality bar or great design could be better. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's one of those tough questions where we kind of pop it in there to see how you want, and it's so it's got to be so unique to individuals and your experiences mm -hmm. and points of view. But you're you're right; like it's sometimes the simplest piece of of marketing or product has taken years to to get out, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, you just don't understand what's going on in the background to make that a reality within the constraint of a given brand or or structure, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good way to look at it as well. Like how does it perform is it meeting the expectations and i suppose sometimes like is it going beyond that right like how how is it because you've, you i'm sure you've worked some stuff as well like i think with some of the work you've done at abstract like you can say like how do we package it up for designers and it looks cool but i think some of the identity that you created is very evocative and you go oh oh this really is starting to resonate mm -hmm. that is getting like designers and not only like oh i'll, I'll look at abstract but i think i've got one i want to work on this tool because they've got such a good good visual narrative mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think abstract's one of those unique experiences too, where you're designing for designers. And yeah. yes, the people that are paying for the tool might not be designers, but that's part of the the game there mm-hmm. was like trying to make stuff that people would resonate with both the content or the product that we're releasing, but also the design. Like I think back to like early Dropbox days, like Dropbox used to make so much cool shit all the time. And everybody was just like, what's going on over there? And I always wanted to work there. And then like, when I got to work there, I was like, I need to go work there. Like I'm going to be able to like work with these people that make this really cool stuff, Um, which is a fun game. But then I also like, not every that can't be the same case for all situations like Shopify merchants some of them might really care about the same design things as designers but probably a lot of them don't they're like mm-hmm. does this work does it look like a trustworthy solution for me yeah yeah exactly exactly right my final my final question to you um is Daniel so if you could go back in time what advice might you give your, say, 18-year-old self? Mm-hmm. I, I would probably say to just, like, relax a little bit. Um, I think, like, my first job, I was 13. I had to get, like, written parents' permission to actually work because I was under the, the legal age to work. I've always, like, wanted to prove myself and I've always been like a really hard worker but I think I also like skipped some of my some of those like life experiences that you can have when you're younger or you can have when you're older but I was like so career focused and I always wanted to not necessarily even like climb the ladder but always be like improving and like leveling myself up and I think while I still want to continue to improve on my career I don't think I need to be like the VP of design at some like big company to feel like fulfilled in life. And so much of that comes from the work that you're doing, but also just like the life that you're building outside of your job. Um, Mm -hmm. I think designers can get really tied up with design as being their identity and like the way that they tackle other things in life. But sometimes it's okay to like build that separation a bit more. Yeah, I see yeah. you smiling. I feel like you, you can relate. To <laughs> I'm that just a kind of saying it's like if I was if I was talking answering the question myself, I'd probably say something similar. Yeah, very similar. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't 13; I was 15, and I was like yeah. I, again, same thing. Had to get written permission, and kind of work my way through college and university, and then for the last like what 10, 11 years, whatever it's been, been very career orientated. And that's not like I've not had relationships. I've been with my wife now for like. 12 years we've been married for like four years we've now got a daughter but in the last couple mm-hmm. of years it's kind of i've kind of got to that tipping point particularly with having our daughter now of saying mm-hmm. should i keep progressing up and i think the key thing you said yeah. is fulfillment right and not just in the work yeah. and you know as design's a big part of my identity definitely should it be i don't know right now and so i'm kind of in this point of stepping mm-hmm. back and going ah oh, what about fulfillment outside of work mm-hmm. within the career and that's why i was smiling because it sounds it's exactly the sort of a epiphany, I suppose, that I've been reflecting on for the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. And that fulfillment changes too. Like mm. what what fulfills you when you're 20 and 25 and 30 and 35 and 40 and 45 and 50 is very different. So being able to like recenter with yourself and like actually figure out what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, totally. And a really good place for us to pause. Um, it's been awesome having you on. Before we say our goodbyes, is there... 
anywhere that our listeners can can hit you up where, where can we send them to get in touch yeah um i guess maybe twitter i'm a little more of a, a watcher these days than a poster but it's uh my first name d-a-i-n-a and my last initial l you want to find me on there um i also have a website danalife.com there's a shop usually on there but it's currently under construction um but usually i sell some some earrings and prints and stuff like that um but otherwise i'm also trying to like be a little bit more present in in real life and a little less present on the internet so um definitely responsive but not all the time cool cool perfect well thanks again for coming on it's been it's been a really good chat thanks for taking the time yes thanks for having me pleasure cheers dana Thanks for joining us today on the Design Podcast. The show is produced by the Snook Brothers, hosted by Ashton Snook and edited by Eric Snook. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd appreciate you leaving a star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Stay connected with us on Instagram or LinkedIn. Our handle is design underscore podcast. Or check out the website designpodcast.co. Thanks again and take care, folks.